When the water is deep and dark, you never know what eyes are looking up at you from below. This world is a strange one. My dad used to work at a water reservoir overlooking a big lake. The things he heard from his coworkers are frightening to say the least. On one occasion, one of the guys heard the screaming and howling of an animal they couldn't identify. Another man saw a massive creature swimming in the water that stalked up onto the land and disappeared into the woods. My dad, on the other hand, saw a large shadowy figure step across the lake path. Apparently, some lakes are filled with monsters, just as these allegedly true stories of lake monster attacks are about to show us. Remember, if you have a scary story, you can send it to us with the links in the description. We are looking for scary prom stories at the moment, but we accept all stories anytime. Number one, if you give a lake monster a wallet, submitted by Tofu. As a lifeguard, I've been wanting to share my story, but I'm just now getting around to it. To start off, I'm a 17-year-old female lifeguard. I'm five foot seven at 115 pounds. I'm known to be creative and an out-of-the-box thinker, and I like to think I'm knowledgeable of the natural world, especially aquatic animals of all stripes. On the other hand, I'm an avid crypto enthusiast indulging in anything that doesn't fit within nature's own rules. In addition, I found myself in numerous predicaments of doing dangerous things, almost all of which induced by morbid curiosity and a stubborn fearlessness. I worked at a Christian camp in Wisconsin during the summer of 2017. The camp was situated on a lakeside that you could see while driving past the campgrounds. The area we had to cover as a group was enormous in my opinion, especially because we were short-staffed and only had seven guards at most, which was a very rare occurrence. The lakefront not only included the swimming area, but a boating area as well. So if you go down the steep hill toward the lake, you would see two docks, one straight and one T-shaped, the first with five paddle boats and the second with six. To the left of all of that, past some willow trees, there dangled in the water a place where we anchored a water toy known as the blob. The blob is basically a huge inflatable tube, at least 12 meters long and two meters wide. One person would jump down on it, then would crawl to the end, and when positioned correctly, another person, usually bigger, would jump onto it, launching the other person in the air. Sometimes the kid wouldn't even get off the blob, while other times, like mine, the person gets launched up 25 feet in the air. The blob had to be anchored down elsewhere, so other lake goers would not use it while a lifeguard wasn't on duty. Obviously, it's a bit dangerous to catapult people if you do it wrong. The bob was usually heavy, very heavy. It would fill up with water, making it incredibly hard to drag the thing 200 meters or so to the blob tower, which is where the people would jump onto it from. And as a very strong swimmer and a point zero complainer, I usually had to get the blob with another coworker. Around 150 meters away from the blob's anchoring point, 
that's where the beach starts. Directly to the right of the beach is the Whippet, or obstacle course. And next to that is a giant slide. It resides three meters in the deep water area. From the Whippet to the Blob Tower Dock, a shallow water line runs down to keep the shallow water swimmers in the shallow zone. All in all, the swim area is nearly 200 meters in length and 75 in width, with the shallow line being at a decent 17-ish meters out. Now, every half hour, we rotate, and we have a buddy check every 15 minutes. There are several stations we can be stationed at, and we regularly take over each other's stations. It was mid-July when I was positioned on a particularly cold and rainy day out on the big dock. I had my big lifeguard sweatshirt on, which had a big pocket in the front. I'd gotten some food on break, so my wallet was in there. Unfortunately, I'd forgotten I had it in there when I was ferried out to the raft. And when we had to call the kids onto land because of a quickly picking up storm, a coworker helped me back to shore on the kayak. I didn't realize until much later that I dropped my wallet in the water by the base of the big dock. There, the water was roughly 25 feet deep. The thought of diving down deep to find my wallet didn't faze me. I've been trained in scuba diving before, and I'm a capable swimmer. Heck, even 30 feet would be easy for me. So on my future breaks, I used the extra time to scan the bottom of the lake, looking for my wallet. Now, there are a few things you should know about lake diving. One, it gets cold, and it gets cold fast. At the top of the water, it's around 70 degrees Fahrenheit, while 12 feet below, it's probably around 55 degrees, and it gets colder the deeper you go. It also gets dark fast. Fresh water isn't like clear salt water, and with kids kicking up sand and other debris under the water, it only makes the water cloudier. Luckily, diving down deep enough rendered the silt to not be as bad. However, you had to be careful as to not stir up the debris yourself. It's easy to kick up dust and leaves coating the bottom of the lake. Due to this, I couldn't use fins, nor could I push off the bottom when I needed to surface. Despite these challenges, I proceeded to free dive to search for my wallet, making four to seven dives per 30 minute period. All I had was my goggles and a swimsuit. I'd take a big breath then dive down to search. Please keep in mind, you should never free dive without a buddy or training at the very least. It can be dangerous than actual scuba diving. It's something you don't want to do alone. The water was cold and the pressure harsh. I couldn't seem to get my ears to equalize. I normally had scuba gear on, so without it, the diving was limited. I could only go so deep. So each session, only the last two or so dives would be worth anything because it'd take that long to get used to the pressure. It was during this week of diving that something very unexpected happened. A good-sized largemouth bass had floated into the swim area, absolutely torn up. Its innards were splayed and it had a huge tear or bite mark on its belly as if something took a big chomp out of it. The worst part was the thing was still alive. Luckily, it was a teen's camp and not a kid's camp, so the campers weren't too shaken. 
After we had our oohs and ahs, it was quickly forgotten about. But that wasn't the end of it. More fish kept turning up dead like that, and I'd heard from a coworker who lived on the lake that while they were out kayaking, they'd come across a large carp, a carp the size of a medium dog, mangled in the same horrific way. And I couldn't help but wonder, what in the world could be doing something like this? A fortnight after losing my wallet, I decided against my better judgment to dive down using the anchor line on the big dock. Basically, going hand over hand on the chain to pull myself down, all while spending as little energy and oxygen as possible, it'd be better than free diving, and I'd probably find my wallet much faster. I let the anchor down, and I took a series of heavy breaths, preparing myself for the descent. Then I began my climb. I got to maybe 20 feet down when I noticed something in the gloom below me. It was a large, darker mass slinking through the darkness in the water below. I could barely make out the silhouette, but it was there. It was enough to send shivers down my spine, shivers that weren't from the cold water. It was fish-like, but much too big and bulky for any native species around here. In fact, the only native fish to Wisconsin that could fit the silhouette's size was a sturgeon, but those are river-dwelling fish, not lake-dwellers. In the murky waters, I quickly lost sight of its form. Not being able to tell where it was freaked me out enough that I booked it back up the line. I didn't speak a word about what I saw to my coworkers. Why? Well, I was already the weird kid. I was a nerd for too much scientific stuff for my own good, and they would just poke fun of me for it and I knew I just wouldn't hear the end of it if I let them have it. So I just returned to diving the drop-off slope with my imagination running wild every time I saw a flickering shadow cast underwater. The next week, whilst doing a swim test, which required me and my coworkers to stand in the water to ensure nobody drowned and to assess their swimming abilities, I felt something at my feet in the chest-high water Nibbles and other movements startled me throughout the entire time, causing me to yelp in surprise here and there. And yeah, I got plenty of odd looks. I joked with the kids and my coworkers about it, saying how a bluegill must have thought my legs looked good. That week passed by without incident, and to my surprise, I ended up finding my wallet on a dive. I couldn't have been happier about it. It wasn't until the second to last week there that I was horrified. Kids were running to my coworkers and I left and right, talking about something pecking and biting them while in deeper water and right next to the swim line. One kid even reported he felt something chasing him. We assured them it was probably a bluegill defending its nest, despite being well out of the spawning season. But there was one final thing that had me on the radio calling down to the head guard. You see, one of the kids' swimsuits had been torn to shreds by something, starting at the seam of the bottom. A long and large piece of cloth had been ripped off and torn up. Luckily, the suit was double-layered, so only the outer layer was damaged. I asked the crying girl what happened, and she explained that her friends and herself were swimming over by the shallow swim line, when suddenly, 
she felt something tug on her swimsuit. I asked her if any of her friends were by her and she responded with no. When I asked her where she'd been swimming, she pointed directly where I was standing a fortnight prior. To stop them from panicking, I told her that she might've just caught it on something, even though I knew damn well there were no debris in that area or vicinity. And then there came the last kid. His arm was bleeding something fierce. His forearm was covered in tooth-sized holes, hundreds of them, and they spanned a diameter of about 15 inches. The bite partially went up his bicep, and there were bleeding holes on the underside as well. The kid had to be calmed down, then was rushed to the hospital to receive nearly 100 stitches. From the looks of it, the kid was lucky he didn't lose an arm. After talking to my coworkers at a sort of lifeguard dinner outing, one of the more serious coworkers of mine piped up about seeing something. He claimed to have seen huge fish when they were untangling the buoy lines that would attach to the blob. Others piped up about feeling something swimming by them on particularly hot days while they were sitting in the water at water toys. Another coworker confessed to seeing something by the blob whilst doing a body search, but didn't see anything. I mentioned my experience then, and despite all of this evidence, we never made a move against it to see what it was. Even after the guard season had ended, I still find myself thinking deeply about this incident. I don't know if what I saw was in fact a new species, which wouldn't be too big of a surprise as the lake housed rare freshwater jellyfish. Then again, considering the size of that bite mark, it may have been some sort of lake monster. Either way, I'm still highly curious about it, and I would like to take a dive there to see what I can find, despite the danger. Whether I like what I find, that'll be another story in the future, if I survive to tell that story. This episode is sponsored by June's Journey. Do you believe in monsters? And given the chance, would you be brave enough to track one down on your own? In June's Journey, people are the true monsters, and you can live the story yourself rather than sitting back and listening to one. June's Journey is a hidden object game with a thrilling murder mystery set in the Roaring Twenties. You play as June on the hunt for your sister's murderer. Discover clues through exciting hidden object scenes with beautiful and atmospheric illustrations and music. Victory brings you closer to new plot points and suspenseful answers. When not hunting for clues, you can customize your own luxurious estate island with gardens, buildings, and decor. Or chat and play with or against other players too in the Detective Club, where you could even put your skills to the test in the Detective League. June's journey is both relaxing and fun to play. With my busy schedule, I find it's the perfect game to pick up and play whenever I've got a free moment. It doesn't demand too much time, and it's pretty satisfying solving puzzles quickly and unlocking new clues. Can you crack the case? Download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. 
it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Number two, I know why people are scared of deep water. Submitted by Diner Rash. I live in Michigan within driving distance of the Great Lakes. This was lucky for me as I was basically a fish out of water. What I mean is I'd live on the lake if I could. I'd often ride a jet ski on days that I wanted a rush. I'd take a small fishing boat out on the lake when I wanted to relax and I'd go swimming to cool off. And if I was swimming, I wouldn't be out of that water until I was pruned up really good. It was an obsession and I say was for a very good reason. Now I don't go near the lakes anymore. Swimming and fishing and jet skiing is fun until you realize you're risking your life and sanity just to do it. It was on a fishing kind of day when the clouds were thick and gray in the sky and ready to burst at any moment. I was in my boat, letting the waves rock me back and forth as my fishing line danced in the water. Nothing had bitten though. I'd been out there for maybe two hours by then and I hadn't gotten a single bite. I didn't mind though. As long as I could be out there, I didn't care if the fish were biting or if I was in the middle of a nap. In fact, I actually started to nod off until I heard something. It was a rapid and furious splashing sound. I raised myself up, stretched real big, then looked out over the water. I saw it between me and the shore, maybe 12 yards away from the tip of my boat. A school of fish were wildly rising to the surface in a circle, splashing about and fighting around in confusion. I scratched my head. I had no idea what I was looking at. I had never seen the fish do that on the lake before. I've seen them do that in the ocean when a whale was about to feast or when he threw some bait in there to rile them up. But to see this on freshwater, I was a bit boggled. I searched my mind, thinking of explanations as to what was going on. I nearly soiled myself when it happened. A mouth twice the size of my boat rose out of the water, encompassing the skull of hundreds or even thousands of fish. I saw black, silky skin and teeth that boasted a Jurassic size and appearance. In seconds, I saw its mouth close, ingesting those fish. Then the creature, whatever the heck it was, sank back into the water below the surface. I watched its silhouette go down, getting fainter as the massive thing sank further and further below. When I could no longer see it, I began to panic. My heart was pounding, my breathing returned ready for a marathon sprint. I grabbed a paddle and I thrashed it wildly in the water, frantically trying to get back to shore before that creature came back for me. I knew that making that kind of ruckus on the surface 
might just draw it back, but I'd rather look like bait than remain being bait on the water even longer. Luckily, I made it back to shore in one piece, one scared and shivering piece, I might add. I packed up my stuff and I left, and I haven't been back since. Lately, I haven't had the urge to go out on the lake. I've been fishing, but only at a small pond where the deepest point was belly button deep. I don't know if I'm gonna be back. I'm starting to miss the Great Lakes, but that just scares me more. It's not a good feeling when you get tempted to be monster chow, just for a quick fishing break. Number three, the creature I met on the camping trip, submitted by Ender Dragon 782. When I was 15 years old, my class for the end of the year went on a camping trip together. It was to a very beautiful place near the biggest lake in Estonia. We were there for three days and we were having the time of our lives, hiking, telling campfire stories, swimming in the lake. But just before nightfall, we would have to go find wood for the campfire. And sometimes we had to walk around for a while, trying to find good kindling. It seemed like each night we'd have to look out a little further as we kept using the kindling nearest to us. One evening when everyone was settling in and the sun was going down, Half of us were asleep and the other half were gathered around the fire, talking and just hanging out. We were beginning to run out of wood, so someone had to go get more. I quickly volunteered. I enjoy this kind of thing. Walking in the woods alone, day or night, it's inspiring and peaceful. Not to mention being helpful and brave may impress some of the girls that were there. So I grabbed a small ax then I walked into the woods alone and in the dark. Like an idiot, I didn't bring a flashlight and I was too afraid of looking stupid to go back and ask for one. So it was a little more difficult to find what I was looking for. I walked straight away from the campsite so that all I had to do was turn right back around and walk back. But the thing is, I've been walking for maybe 15 minutes by then. The campsite was a good distance away and I felt more and more alone by the second. I was getting close to the lake. I could hear the water brushing up gently against the shore. Luckily, moments after that, I found an old dried up dead tree and I began to chop away at it into more carryable pieces. But I swear, as I chopped at the wood, I began to hear a sound, the sound of wet footsteps coming in the direction of the water. I was really confused. Who would be out here at night, alone, and why would they be in the water? It'd be freezing at this time of night, and they would be so far away from a campfire. I grabbed my logs and I began to walk back to the camp, albeit a little creeped out. But suddenly, I heard a familiar and horrifying sound. It was my mother's voice calling me. It didn't make any sense. My mother hadn't come on the trip with us, but I heard it nearly plain as day now, a voice calling in the distance. Callie. Callie. 
The second call sounded much closer. It made me turn around to see who was there, but I saw no one. I thought I was imagining things. Maybe I was tired. Maybe the dark was getting to me. I turned away from the noise again, but I heard it once more. Callie, why do you ignore me? Again, I quickly turned around on my hill. My heart was pounding. Why was my mother here? Something deep down told me that this wasn't my mother. It didn't make any sense, but I saw her face. I did in fact see my mother's face leaning out from behind a tree just in front of the lake and the shore. But there was something wrong with her appearance. Her face looked right. Her eyes, her hair, her skin, everything. What was scaring me was that it didn't look like a person peeking out from behind a tree. It looked more like something's arm was holding a mask out from behind the tree, as if it was trying to make a puppet of my mother's face. I began to panic. I stepped backwards, but then I heard the voice again. Even though her face remained motionless and her lips didn't move, where do you think you're going? The voice was different now, angrier and lower. I took another step back. Before I'd let that thing say another word, I turned around and I began to run away, back to where I thought and hoped the campsite was. But the moment I turned around, I saw the same thing, except now it was my grandmother's face. It was ahead of me, in between me and where the campsite should be. I was getting nauseous looking at whatever this was, pretending to be my loved ones. By then, I was certain I was in some sort of freakish nightmare. I felt I had only one choice. I gripped the logs tight to my chest. I closed my eyes, and I ran full speed straight ahead. I heard a huge splash in the water behind me, but I didn't turn back. Even if that thing went back in the water, where I am assuming it came from, I didn't care. When I finally made it back to my classmates, they asked me immediately why my face was so red and why I was crying. I didn't even know I was crying. I told them that I was just cold and that running back had made my eyes water. I just never told them why I ran. There was no use in making us all scared, so I kept the story to myself until now. I haven't seen anything like it since, and I really hope that I don't. Number four, The Bluffs Monster, submitted by Nova C. This happened around 2007. I was out with my dad and uncle. We were out on some family land, and this land had a lake, river, woods, and bluffs. We got there around noon, and we unpacked and set out to go to the bluffs, which is about a five-minute walk down a steep hill in some mild wooded area right along the lake. When we got there, we had to walk over this tiny river, which was about two feet wide and not even one foot deep. 
we set up camp underneath the bluff along the shore and just went to walk around and take in the sights. About two hours later, I got this very odd feeling of heaviness and like someone was watching me. Note that this land is right on the Trail of Tears, so this was a place of tragic history. That alone was enough to make this place creepy and depressing. Still, I told my dad that I wanted to leave and that I didn't feel good about the place. Hesitantly, he said okay. They took me back home, but they went back next to the lake and under the bluff to stay the night. And this is where my dad's and uncle's sides of the story come in. They got back to camp as the sun was about to set. They made a fire, then started to kick back and relax. Not 20 minutes later, they hear this scream, a scream that sounded like a cross between a woman, a man, and a howl. My dad got up to get more sticks for the fire, if not to keep that thing, whatever it was, at bay. A few minutes later, my uncle begins to hear footsteps in the tree line nearby. He calls out for my dad, but there was no answer, and about one more minute went by before my dad walked back from a completely different direction than he had gone. Turns out he had circled back around because he felt that something was following him, something that had come from the direction of the campsite, so he couldn't head back the same way without running into it. They began to put the sticks on the fire when they heard the scream again. Still, they just kept adding it to the fire. My dad pulls out his rifle and scans the tree line, but sees nothing. They stood there in silence, staring at the tree line together, but nothing happened. In fact, they didn't hear another scream for the rest of the night. They crawled inside their tents, leaving the fire up and going, and tried to get some sleep. In the middle of the night, they were woken up by something raking nails or claws along the edge of the tents. They lay there, staring at a vaguely human silhouette, too afraid to say a word. After 20 minutes of this, the strange figure exited the campsite. They didn't sleep that night. In the morning, they got out of there fast. When they got back to the house, they told me and my mom their stories. Two weeks later, we went back to the very same bluffs again. Some of the rocks above had fallen right onto where their campsite had been. That was a scary thing to see. Camping there at the wrong time, they could have been killed. I believe there's something in the woods of Oklahoma, something that might be big enough to break pieces and boulders off the top of the bluff onto the camping men below. And number five, the Lake Story Beast, submitted by Austin W. I'm a 17-year-old guy in my senior year of high school. I've tried telling people this story, but no one has believed me yet, except for my friend Jacob. Jacob only believes me because he was there as well. Now, I've always believed in various cryptids ever since I was young. I watched TV shows like The Lost Tapes. This last summer was full of adventures and different experiences, but it was by far the most terrifying summer I've ever had. 
You see, I spend a lot of time hiking or longboarding at our local park in my hometown in Illinois. Anyone who knows me knows that if I'm not working, I'm at the lake or at home practicing the guitar. I'd been working at the town's water park as a lifeguard since I was 15, and I'd made many friends there. But Jacob was the only one I was truly close to. We'd get coffee from time to time, or just drive around in the country, but Jacob wanted to hang out afterwards. Now, I had just finished a double shift, and I really wanted to go to the lake. He agreed, and after work, we went there together. I asked Jacob if he wanted to go down some of the trails. He answered with a nod. We had finally reached a set of trails I've never been down before, and it looked just as cheery as the rest. No sooner than 30 minutes into the walk, the sun was going down, but Jacob and I wanted to keep going. That was our first mistake. We eventually got down to where we could hear the sounds of the lake. But five minutes or so later, we were laughing after a joke I told when we came upon a fallen tree. We decided it was a perfect time to take a break, so we sat down on the fallen tree. Jacob pulled out a pack of cigarettes and lit one. We sat and enjoyed the silence, Silence, I thought to myself, and I spoke up to Jacob. That's weird, man. It's never this quiet around here at night. He took a slow drag from his cigarette and listened. I stood up to stretch, and I asked him if he wanted to continue down the trail. But before he could answer, Jacob noticed something. Hey, do you see that? Down there by the edge of the lake. I looked down. I had thought it might have been a lost dog or a deer because they can be seen regularly around here. I've even returned a couple of lost dogs to their owners from here before. Before I could say anything, he moved past me and said, Austin, dude, I think that's an injured dog. I began to follow him as he made his way towards it. As I was walking behind him, I was looking at the ground because we were walking off path and it was getting harder to see the darker it got. The next thing I noticed was that Jacob suddenly stopped. I walked right into him, sending us both falling to the ground. My glasses and phone fell off my face and out of my hands. When I picked them up, I looked around. Jacob was gone. Jacob, I stopped in my tracks. That dog that he had thought was there was not a dog. Whatever it was, had a long and distorted body. Its legs and arms twisted among themselves. It was skinny and looked like it hadn't eaten in days. It was pale gray with tufts of fur on its arms and legs. The scariest part about this thing was its eyes, those soulless black eyes. Its mouth had no lips, instead forming straight into sharp, jagged teeth. It had a small nose that looked like it had been ripped apart by something. I gasped as I trembled to my feet, not daring to take my eyes off of it. Then it opened its mouth, and it said my name. It sounded like Jacob. Austin. I nearly soiled myself at the sound. I began to walk backwards when I tripped over something and fell onto my back. 
The creature then stood suddenly, towering over us. My hand gripped a small rock no bigger than my palm, and without rationally thinking, I threw it at the creature, who didn't even flinch. When the rock bounced off its arm, it almost sounded like it was laughing. It got down on all fours and crept towards me, and that's when I lost it. I turned and ran. As I ran, I could hear this thing crashing and stumbling through the woods. I ran for what seemed like forever. I could finally see the clearing. Jacob was in his car already, and he was revving up the engine. Come on, hurry, we need to get the hell out of here. Nearly tripping over the loose gravel, I ran around Jacob's car, and before I even got the door shut, Jacob floored it. I looked back, and there, out of where I just came from, was that creature sitting on its knuckles. I closed my eyes and told Jacob to just go. We drove for 20 minutes. My eyes were closed, and I was too terrified to open them for a while. We filed a police report, and they sent a couple of officers out there. A couple of days later, we got the report back. They said that the most out of the ordinary thing they saw were mutilated rabbits' bodies. They told me not to worry about it. And if I'm still too worried, just avoid going there. I didn't need to be told something like that. Three months have gone by, and Jacob doesn't like to talk about it. I finally lost it. I asked what did he see when he went down there. He said when he walked down there, the thing was sleeping. He described it just like I did, and when I walked into him, he said he fell right in front of it, waking it up. And that's when he turned and ran, as I laid there dumbfounded. He apologized. He just said he was scared more than he'd ever been. I can't blame him, because I was truly as scared as he was. Neither of us stood a chance against that creature. If you're ever in the Midwest state of Illinois, in the Knox County area, stay away from the lake because you never know what's in the dark waiting for you. There are monsters in the lake, monsters around the lake. Heck, the lake itself might be a monster. You never know. People see strange things in and around lakes all the time, often avoiding near-death experiences when those strange creatures attack. Be careful the next time you want to go fishing or swimming at the lake. You're not always alone, and your company isn't always human. Good night. Remember to leave a like on this video, please, and share it with your friends and family that you think would have a good scare from it. Also, a huge thanks goes out to my newest patrons. They are... Selena Hyatt, Cindy Manio, D. Henry, and Christopher Trusty. Thank you all so much for doing what extra you can to support this channel. As always, to anyone still listening, stay safe out there and stay creepy.